0: Hello friends, this is Jake Party, your guide through the Roji universe. Welcome to the Art of Roji podcast, where we discuss the Roji saga, how the music and art is created, and what it all means. Today on the Art of Roji podcast, we have my friend Thad Fulmer from Gloucester, Massachusetts. Thad is an excellent musician, meditation teacher, and all-around solid and creative guy. I first met Thad when he was a teen, starting his first band, and we've played a lot together over the years with our band Pier Av, with Cultural Roots, and most recently as part of Roji. Thad added rhythm guitars and sound effects on Volume 1, The Gunman of Silver City, and on this episode, we discuss the challenges and the philosophies of making music and how the Roji story reflects our own life experiences.
1: Welcome to the Art of Roji podcast. We're happy to have you here. Now, enter the Roji universe.
0: So, Thad, welcome to the Art of Roji podcast. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for joining us. Yeah. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I'm so glad that you're here. So, you are part of the very original roji first episode here, Roji the Gumman of Silver City. you play guitar, and my favorite part is you going chuka,
1: chuka, 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 mm. chuka,
0: chuka. what do you remember of the session and how it came to be
1: of the chicka 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 session No, the whole thing the whole thing um I remember coming in to record guitar, and all I remember is us talking about the the um the red light um what's it called the red light
0: like being afraid of the yeah, red like light
1: yeah as soon as you start recording right. like you, you feel like you sound worse
0: mm yeah that's a so. very common phenomenon
1: what's it called the red light syndrome
0: yeah sure red light syndrome yeah when so. we hit when we hit record you immediately freeze up and there's memes about it online too that are like my guitar playing alone and it's like some super shredder. then it's like mm-hmm. my guitar playing, you know, with my friends and it's right. like somebody who's like doing okay. And that's like my guitar playing as soon as I hit record and it's like SpongeBob or something like, right. so, like <laughs> right, right. hilarious. Yeah. So you remember that? What did you feel like you got nervous and you froze up?
1: Well, I just, no, like I didn't freeze. I, I think I, I did a couple of takes and played through. Yeah. But, there's like a self-conscious aspect to it that I think just literally makes it worse.
0: Man, that is so true. When I played the lead guitar parts, I listen to it now, and I'm glad that I can hear it as music, but for a while there, while I was in the middle of it, it was just like, man, I just hear it as stitched together mistakes, Mm -hmm. you know, and just like issues. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad it's a universal problem, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I think it might have to do with the fact that we record the way that we do these days. You know, we jump right into recording. In the past, I'm sure, I'm sure it's a universal thing, no matter what. Mm-hmm. But recording would have been really hard in the past, and you would have only been able to do it sometimes, and it would have been very expensive. So a band would have rehearsed everything so cold, you would have just gotten it perfected. Mm-hmm. Go into the studio, you've got one shot to play it all together. And it's just like muscle memory. It's memorized. And a lot of times, we're kind of writing and recording at the same time. Like, what do you think? Yeah, I don't know. Try this. Mm-hmm. So your first take, we immediately are critical of, but if you had heard your first time playing something while you were just practicing it, we wouldn't have been so critical about it. Right. It would have just been, we're trying it out. Right. So I don't know. How do you feel about that?
1: I mean, I, I think I have a lot of experience with feeling that way. Like recording something and then just feeling, like basically, immediately, like it's as immediate as hearing it, like feeling a sense of, um, like dislike towards it, wow. or just like oh, like it's not good, yeah, or something, or like it's not perfect, or something like that. Um, but in terms of the the roji stuff. I didn't I I wasn't like overwhelmed with it cuz I was just skanking which I I felt confident enough to do but um it it was certainly there you know just like thinking like this is this has to be good. Mm you know whereas as soon as the recording stopped I could play it way better.
0: I know. I remember know? us talking about that and saying yeah. this is exactly what I want to do and then you hit record and it's not as good. So I think that it is common I don't know why the psychology of it is the way that it is. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I feel like performing live, I play better than I do Mm -hmm. in rehearsal Mm -hmm. because I I reach for things and I do, uh, I take risks that there's no need to really take when I'm at home because I'm just jamming at home. Mm -hmm. But on stage, I'm like, oh, I'm going to try this out. I'm going to try to push myself over the cliff and try something out. And a lot of times... You know, maybe it's a failure, but it feels like I've taken a risk and and gone for something. Mm -hmm. The studio is weird that way because it's almost the worst of both worlds. You have the pressure of being on stage, but -hmm. without the audience to like perform for and cheer Mm -hmm. you on, Mm -hmm. you just have this, like in our case, computer screen that it's more like a video game that's like fail. Mm -hmm. Right. Game over. Right. Do it again. So it's tough, man, because we also probably aren't extremely good at evaluating whether or not it actually is good.
1: Right. Because when I hear your guitar part, I'm like, it's. It, I literally couldn't imagine it, it being better.
0: Well, thanks.
1: Or Sam's drums, and you know who knows if, if who knows if he felt that or if any of the players. Yeah. In the album, but it's like everything is just so good.
0: It's really interesting that we immediately get into the philosophy of it, because I think that's something that you and I have always done, talking about music and what it means in our lives, and that's why it was really important to make sure that we were working on this together from the get-go, because I want Roji to be something that we've made that comes out of our friendship, that comes out of our community, that comes out of a sincere desire to make things together that we think tell a good story, but also are are good, <laughs> like mm-hmm. not just good um, quality wise, but good like ought to make you feel good. Mm-hmm. And um, I've been really encouraged by your support over the years to work on this type of music. So you've had a, a long journey through when we first met when you were like 13, 14 years old, Mm -hmm. making reggae music with your first project, Remedy, and then the years of playing with Pirav and Cultural Roots, writing your own music, lately playing with Surfer Girl and doing all sorts of things. And you and I have talked a lot about your relationship with music. So I have to ask you, what is your current relationship (laughs) with music? How do you feel about music in general and your participation in it?
1: Well, that's funny you ask cuz last night me and Andrew Foliano talked for almost 2 hours about that. No
0: way, about this subject? Pretty much,
1: yeah. Um my current relationship is a clear orientation of knowing I want to do it mm-hmm. and like knowing that I want to be playing music and and expressing music and playing music I like and and like following where that takes me and getting better. And what Andrew and I were talking about was how to realistically fit it in your life in a way that it's, that's realistic for you, you know? And I was asking him about his experience playing and how much money basically is involved in that. And those are just generally the questions that I'm asking in my life right now, like how am I going to how am I going to be able to support myself and a family one day and, and all that sort of stuff. And it's like, well, I ought to be thinking about it now. And, and so I, I'm pulling music into that, that question and saying, where does it fit? How does it fit? Um, and that's sort of one aspect of my relationship with music. Like there's another aspect of like how inspired I am and how much I'm playing or what I want to be doing. But, just because this is where I'm at with it or at least this is what's in the forefront of my right relationship now. with it right now yeah and i'm just like i'm I, basically what i came to last night and this morning was like i don't feel clear enough to like be like oh i'm for sure going to make like all my money doing this and it's going to just work out somehow right and like that's a nice idea and like i wanna i think it is going to work out and i think Just how it has worked out in the past, I think it'll continue to unfold and connections and networking and just like connecting with other musicians and playing kind of how Surfer Girl came about or any other given project or Zane or whatever. So I think it'll keep going in that direction, but I don't think I can, I don't think it's wise or realistic of me to put all my monetary eggs in that basket right now. Sure and so i think if i take the eggs out of that basket in terms of like monetary security i can allow that expression and that evolution to unfold without a pressure of you know i have to do it or it's like i'm like 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 there's other motives involved right which would be fine but that's just not what i you know i kind of want it to be like its own thing That's beautiful. Without like tangles and ties, so I think yeah, that's that's great. We're thinking of.
0: Well, I'm glad to hear that because the one thing that that demonstrates to me is that your relationship with music is actually very solid, because it sounds like music to you is it's a given that it's worthwhile, Mm -hmm. and it's whether or not it's something that is. Financially stable, or something like that, that you're you're considering, right? Which is great because that's a good point. It's such a great uh, position to be in to realize. Well, I love music, and I want to make music. Should I put all of the pressure of my life on music when I love it so much? Right. You know, it's kind of <laughs> right. a lot to ask of music. Right. To say, not only do I want you to give me peace and purpose, but I also want you to put <laughs> money to in the bank. My <laughs> pay my bills. <laughs> it's a big ask. Right. It's a big ask of music, which right. has already given us so much. Mm-hmm. So it's very interesting. There's a lot of uh, stories of composers that throughout the years had chosen to, to do certain types of work. In order to be able to write the music that they want, there's a composer, Charles Ives, who was famous for selling insurance as a means of being able to compose the weirdest music he ever could come up with. Like He wrote for two marching bands walking across town towards each other Mm. and did some very wacky things because Mm -hmm. he's like, well, I sell insurance, so I can make whatever music I want to.
1: And who knows if he would have been able to do that if he was only trying to make money through music.
0: Sure, because who's going to pay for the marching band? And, <laughs> right, and right. who's going to exactly. think that was even a good idea? Right. So it's a, it's a great thing to hear that from you because to me, it, I hear you saying that you're going to be making music one way or another. It's a mm-hmm. matter of how to go about doing it to be able to keep it pure in a way. So right. that itself is an interesting thing too what do you, and I think that we're going to probably, because of the nature of our friendship and these kinds of discussions that we have, get mostly into philosophy today and how it relates to Roji. But yeah. I appreciate your philosophical approach to music, so it, it makes me, me curious. Um, what do you think of authenticity in music? What do you think that it uh, it would mean to play music authentically? Because it sounds like what you're saying is, you don't necessarily want to put all the pressure on music financially because you want your relationship with music to stay authentic right, and real. Right. So what what does that look like for you?
1: I'll I'll reference Andrew and I's conversation again, and I I'll kind of I'll paint a picture for the answer rather than maybe a direct answer. Oh, well, I'll get to a direct answer. Sounds good. So after the the when I played with Surfer Girl in August. It was like the second show was like this big stage, like intense energy, like pure fun, joy, like big energy show, mm-hmm. right? It was awesome. Super fun. And just like felt aligned and oh, so much joy. It was amazing. Just amazing time. Great to be up on the stage with Carter and Brittany and right like this experience, you know, and then I come home. Me and Megan go into my room in Beverly, totally quiet. And I was just like, right there with the quiet, with my quiet room. Mm-hmm. And I texted Carter and Brittany, and I said, "Hey guys, that was a great show. Like, thanks for having me. Isn't there something so special about coming home to a quiet room after like a big, energetic show?" Yeah, It like creates this contrast and I just felt so like, it felt like I was just as joyful to be in that quiet still room mm-hmm. as I was playing music. Right. And so what I was saying, to, I told that to Andrew and I was like, it was just amazing like being in this, I was just going to bed in my room like this totally simple experience, but it felt so potently rich, mm-hmm. you know, just to be in my quiet room. And I can't even explain why, but just that was it. And I said to Andrew, you know, like a lot, just getting to like the authenticity of playing music, like I was like a lot of musicians seem to just be musicians all day. And they're mm-hmm. just like, it's always like, like the there tends to be, from what I can see, like an over-identification with being a musician and like trying to make it and like just struggling. And like, I'm like every musician, I know, not everyone, like because I'm talking about more of an attitude than an actual thing. But I'm like, so many people are just struggling and artists are just struggling. Not that what they're doing is struggling, but it's like their attitude, their energy is like the struggling, like I'm always trying to, next thing or the The striving the striving yeah and I'm like you know can you just go to bed in your room Mm -hmm. and it's like that and that's to me like being able to just go to bed in your room right maybe is what can allow you to just play music when you play music Mm -hmm. and and then when you're eating your omelet you're just eating your omelet right And so, to me, like, when I came home and I was in my room, it felt equally as honoring to the show that I had just played that was, like, a completely different experience, Mm -hmm. you know? But there was, like, a thread of, like, again, potent richness that was also there in my room. Yes. That was there in the show. And it was just like, oh, this is, like... It was like bittersweet. It was just so good. It was just mm-hmm. like, oh, here I am, like in my room. And then it's like, I wasn't a musician anymore. I wasn't, you know, like it I was like psyched about the show and like, how you know, how can I maybe keep doing that and like having thoughts like that? But most importantly, I was just in my quiet room and like there. And to me, like that's a an authentic way if, if you're going to be authentic with anything, like you, you, I almost can't box it in to say just music. Cause it's mm-hmm. like, it's going to reflect how you're just going to bed in your room. Yeah. It's going to reflect how you make your coffee or tea. It's like, so that's kind of how I see it. It's like, and, and me and Andrew were just cracking up cause that was kind of like the like the theme throughout the, the rest of the conversation, like can you can you just go to bed in your room? Right. Like this simple thing, like how can you treat that? And if, if you can do that, then you're not a musician anymore. You're just going to sleep.
0: I know what you mean. There's so much pressure that I've put on myself because I identified as a musician at such a young age. I was like, musician, that sounds good. I'll be a musician. That it made it so hard to make music at different times because there is so much identification with the idea of musician that it makes it like, oh, geesh, everything I do has to be a representation of me who has identified as a musician. And sometimes I've been jealous of amateurs that just pick up guitar and play whatever Mm -hmm. because I'm like, man, that sounds awesome. Because it's not being filtered through somebody that has to have it be their statement to the world or something like that. Mm -hmm. So do you think that the silence in the room at the end of a loud gig, you know, the end of the night of a loud gig, do you think that that silence felt particularly poignant because of having been at the loud gig? Yeah. So you you see them as related.
1: Yeah, well, I think it helped contrast it. I don't think that the silence was actually more than any other time, right? but I think the contrast helped me connect to it more. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think that that's really interesting because we, we do want to find a certain amount of stillness and connection to the music, and a lot of times, for me, that could be to appreciate the silence a little bit more. I know that when I'm writing... I have to close my eyes a lot of the time too, to tune out some of the visual information. But especially if I'm coming up with a bass line, I can like noodle on the bass and come up with things that sound just like way too busy, but they're in the direction of something cool. Mm-hmm. But I have to close my eyes and be like, okay, it's not do it's it be not be do po do po 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 do po do po do po do po do 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 doo do 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 you know what I mean? Yeah. And the one thing. Yeah. But I have to tune out in order to get to that. I have mm-hmm. to turn the volume of other things down to be able to take the little thread of something and turn the volume up on that. Right. You know right. what I mean? So my question is, how much do you think all of this is informed by your meditation practice? Um.
1: I think all of it is completely informed by it. Like, I don't know what the spectrum is or that I could say like where on the spectrum it is like it's this much or that much, but
0: yeah, yeah, it's like, I don't think it's a fair question for me to ask how much, (laughs) but I mean, uh, do you think that it is, do you think that the stillness from your meditation, uh, is influencing your relationship with music?
1: Yeah. Cause yeah, it does with everything.
0: I want to bring back something that you told me about an early experience Of you listening to music was it in your dad's basement
1: it was in his in-laws basement
0: his in-laws basement yeah and you had some wicked sound system right
1: yeah it was a klipsch it was like a klipsch it was a subwoofer with it was a a like a computer system
0: can you tell that story
1: yeah so we uh we were in the basement and how old were you maybe i was like 11 or 10
0: okay you're 11 years old in the basement
1: yeah 11 years old in the basement and my dad i don't remember how i just remember standing next to him and he put on a song by the black eyed peas maybe it was uh i don't know there were a few songs that i really liked at that point by the black eyed peas and he just turned it up loud and i could feel the subwoofer and i could like really hear the music and it felt it felt like it just went through me you know I almost felt like transparent to it and I just like couldn't stop laughing and it just like ignited this like release in me of just laughter and like that, that joy around live music or like loud music Mm. hasn't left me. Yeah. Like just the energy of vibration and moving you and like how powerful it is, is different to me than not loud music Mm. and like quieter music has its own thing going on or anything in between but there's something about you know showing up to a concert or just turning up the sound system it's like you just become transparent to it right and it's like oh wow here i am
0: do you think that that's part of the reason that you've been attracted to reggae and dub because it's got so much low-end content yeah yeah that it definitely vibrates more molecules (laughs) per inch than a lot of other styles of music i suppose (laughs)
1: yeah I think so. And I think that's why I like playing bass so much because mm. it's so like feet on the ground, like grounded sound right and vibration and it's deep and yeah and and there's a lot of reasons I love reggae too that i I've thought about, but um but that being I think one of them.
0: What was your impression of the Roji songs when you heard them come back from Craig for the first time?
1: so i remember i was here Mm -hmm. i i i I think it was the first time i heard i was here and you had had the comic on black and white paper right and you played the first song and i remember like you kept it secret for a while like no one was really listening to it
0: yeah we're calling it the secret dubs
1: the secret dubs i was sitting on the couch you gave us this comic i think i don't know who else was there maybe it was michael i think it was michael And you started the song and like the gunshots go off in the song, the guitar part started. And I remember as I think the rhythm came in, I just started to well up cause I felt like it was one of the first times I have heard you musically speak to me. Mm. I was like, this is Jake. And I've played many gigs with you. And I've been like I've I've always told you how awesome your guitar solos are and like it's amazing playing with you. But there was something so particular about when I heard the first song, um, The Last Gunfight. And I just I had this comic like in my hand and I felt like I was like listening to Jake. Hmm for like, in a way, in a sense, in a way, for the first
0: time. Wow. Well, that means a whole lot to me. Thank you so much. (laughs) Yeah. It's funny that you say that. I really do appreciate it. Thank you for listening to it that way and for saying that. Caden messaged me this last weekend, and Caden will be on a future episode too. Caden mentioned, like, yeah, man, it's like you've got the Jimi Hendrix, Bob Marley sound together that... You've been trying to get together forever. Mm-hmm. And the funniest thing is is that I uh wasn't trying to do that this time. And to bring it back to what we were talking about, the pressure that we put on ourselves as a musician, I've always looked up to Jimi Hendrix and Bob Marley as like the Mount Rushmore of my musical influences. And I've always thought, yeah, man, I wanna make like guitar driven reggae music since I was I don't know, 13, 14 years old when Mike and I started the Mm -hmm. punk band and stuff. And I've done so many experiments that came out just sounding like that's not quite it or it's too obvious, like Mm -hmm. it's it's just not quite it. So it's funny that in making Roji, I really wasn't trying to do that. There was a part of me that was like, well, in order to make music and to make a project that tells a story and to do it with my friends – I need to think about it more like cinematic, like almost like you're scoring something. In this case, you're scoring the comic book and telling a story. So I made the music thinking about how to tell that story, not trying to make the music I've always been trying to make, just Mm -hmm. trying to do a specific task Mm -hmm. of tell this story. And then the irony of it is that you then are like, oh, yeah, that sounds like so distinctly your music. Mm-hmm. And Cadence like, yeah, you seem to have been able to do the direction that you want it to mm-hmm. do. Yeah, And it's funny because it took, and it kind of relates to the meditation, you know, the whole ego trip <laughs> thing. Uh, only in like letting go of trying to do it directly and to mm-hmm. actually consciously not do it. Mm-hmm. Does the message actually come across? And my friends are like, right. oh, cool, man. You did the thing you've been trying your whole life to right. do. It sounds like you. right? And I'm like, whoa. Because it didn't even occur to me that I was even working on it. It felt right. like, oh, cool. I'm going to play some, some surf rock style guitar melodies. I'm going to play uh, some some heavy roots rhythms. I'm going to call my friends, and we're going to make it together. And Sam's like, yeah, man. Sounds good. Place a part. And I'm like, yeah, add this part, and you come in. Everybody adds a part. Mm-hmm. And we work on it, and we bring it to Craig. And Craig opens it up, and he's like, great, yeah, awesome. Mixes it in an hour, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And you're like, Mm -hmm. man, this is so cool. And then only once it's over, you're like, oh, wow, we we made something that we've been kind of trying to do for a long time, Mm -hmm. but it took taking, like, an alternate path to it. It took saying, like, let's work on something that isn't, so directly, the thing we're trying to work on—that's just work on something—and mm-hmm. I think that's really interesting. So thank you for for hearing that in the music and for telling me that you hear that because I really was thinking that's us make some music and try to make it cool. Yeah. So
1: it's like your guitar tone that you found.
0: Yeah. Right. I know. You know, that's it, a journey too. And
1: and when you came to
0: it, you're like what do I do with it? Mm. (laughs) You know?
1: And like, like there was no added influence. It just, and when, even when you played me the tone for anyone listening that doesn't know, Jake found a, it was an, it was an amp and a cab, right? That basically express, express the exact tone that you've been looking for forever. Yeah. And it sounded like Jake. Yeah. It just sounded like it was kind of stratty mm-hmm. and a little crunchy but also really smooth. Right. And it was just like there was no stuff
0: there. Right. It was
1: just sounded like you.
0: Oh, I'm so glad you reminded me of that because I recently came back to that because it's another ego trip thing as a guitar player. You're like, well, it can't be, and you keep trying to like try something else. Yeah. And then a few weeks ago I was like, Oh, let me fire up that that rig again. And mm-hmm. I played and I was like, Oh. It's undeniably <laughs> out of the way, uh, you yeah, know. Out of the it's way. just not an obstacle. Like yeah. everything you play sounds like what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And for anyone interested, it's a Chariotone Dumble clone called the OTS 100. And if you're a guitar nerd, then you know that. Well, of course, it's a Dumble. That's like almost cliche to think like oh the best amp for me was a Dumble because they're <laughs> they're very famously extremely expensive this one's not this is a clone it's a, a tribute to one but uh, yeah thank you for reminding me of that because having our own sound finding that is its own onion unwrapping difficult you know onions have layers mm-hmm. ogres have layers kind of situation right and you can get down to it and then just like you said say okay well then what am i going to do with it right you know i've spent my whole life chasing my sound but what do, what do i have to communicate with that sound
1: right and and that requ- that requires like a a turning of attention almost yep. right like oh yeah rather than like cuz you're not looking anymore for new sounds right it's like wait now the expression is on me right rather than on the guitar yeah, and that's you know? kind of
0: scary because it's like, yeah. do I even want to share my personality or something? And It's like, I don't know. That's mm-hmm. why I, for me it was a lot easier to say, let's write a story that we can compose to because it's a little hard for me to imagine being like, what I have, to, and maybe someday I'll get over it, but it's a little hard for me to be like, all right guys, what we're going to do on Saturday is express the story of me. <laughs> <laughs> Who's ready? Yeah. Who wants to come by on Saturday mm. and work on the story of me? Mm. Whereas it's like, hey, we're doing this old west dub story thing and everyone's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, cool. Right. And we can all see a part of ourselves being being in it. Yeah. Do you think that you have a a musical itch to scratch right now? that you want to communicate? Um, Could I speak on that yeah, last yeah. point for a second yeah, first? Yeah, of course.
1: It just came to me, like, the guitar tone is, like, just plainly, plainly in the best sense of the word, plainly you, right? Mm-hmm. And when I heard Roji, it was, like, again, in the best sense of the word, plainly you. It was plainly Jake. And like there was nothing getting in the way. It didn't feel like you were trying to do this or trying to do that. And I think that's why it got through to me so potently. I know I mm. keep saying that word, but that's why I got emotional right when I heard it. And I listened to it so much. Like the other day, or it was like two days, or yesterday, my whole drive from Gloucester to Beverly, I listened to, it was like the the second half of the chorus of the last gunfight, and I was trying to figure out what the lower harmony was doing because I hadn't noticed it before until I realized that the lower harmony at the very end does like this walk down yeah. into the, into the guitar part. Mm-hmm. Like, E-E-E. yeah, yeah. Thank and- you for noticing <laughs> that. Yes, it does. <laughs> and I listened to it, dude. I literally just kept going back to that one part and trying to hear like what you were doing. And I was like, that is so good. Cause the higher part kind of just fades, right? Yeah, it goes away. Yeah, but that lower part comes in. And and I just, I'm like so captured by it because it just feels like, I mean, how captured am I just by talking with you? You know, like we have great conversations a lot. And that's because we just, like I'm captured by the conversation. And so the music, I was like, oh, this is, sounds like Jake. And I'm equally as captured by it. I'm like, wow, like this is this is authentic hmm. like completely this is authentic and it just feels that way and so i think when you said like you know we've always been trying to create something like this but we ended up doing it via a, an alternative route maybe we never could do it because we were afraid of that authenticity Mm-hmm. We we're afraid of that guitar tone, even though we're actually, right. quote unquote, looking for it. Once we find it, it's kind of like. Scary. Yeah. It's like, uh, what
0: now? Yeah. It's bittersweet to arrive at something that you've gone after for so long, you know? Right. Like, isn't there, isn't there doesn't that come up in Zen conversations too? Like if the dog ever caught the car. Something like that, you know, like dogs chase the mailman, right? Mm -hmm. But if the dog ever caught the mailman,
1: or like its own tail,
0: yeah, right, yeah. Anything, it's like you're you're just gonna uh, uh, be you're just gonna be. Oh, here we are. What are you gonna do with it, anyways? Right, right. You know, so that does that does lead us to what are we gonna do with it, anyways? Are you excited to work on the next one? Yes, I want you to be able to feel like we can dive into this and it's like this like long trajectory of some project Mm -hmm. that we have, (laughs) we've got, especially if we're telling it at the snail's pace, Mm because I was talking to Veronica today of like, all right, so we've got this much of the story to tell and we've told this snippet. Mm -hmm. So either we need to start doing like huge time jumps Mm -hmm. or like, there's gonna be a lot of these. You're gonna be like 90 <laughs> when we finally like are getting to the end of the actual story. Right. Yeah. Unless we start doing it every week. Somehow we like recording albums every yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> put one out every week, man. Yeah. I think that's my musical itch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's do it. Well, thank you, Thad. I can't thank you enough for uh for your encouragement and support of the music and your involvement in the music and your participation mm. in it it means the world to me to be able to collaborate with you and uh, to have you as my friend. So thank you so much mm, for being here and speaking with me. I look forward to continuing our philosophical discussions in music and, and chronicling some of them here on the Art of Roji podcast. Mm-hmm. So thank you for everything, Dad. I thank love you, you. man. I
1: you too, man. Thanks for having me.
0: Looking forward to us digging into the next one, which we're about to start over the next few weeks. We'll start recording the next one. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Are the songs written? There's like 20 songs. Oh, cool. So, but we need five. And every time that I think that I'm going to choose one of the five, I sit down and say, No, I've got a cooler one that Mm. I come up with spontaneously. So then we have 21. Mm. And then I'm like, Oh, no. Like, I'll pick five. And Mm. then I'm like, I'll come up with something that's better than that. Right. And now we have 22. Mm. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, yeah. Got some cool ideas, though. Cool. We know the gunman is on the island. Mm -hmm. We know that the gunman is going to have to wrestle with his new life, being in the new place, how he's going to get settled, how he's going to leave his life behind. Is he going to be able to leave the life of violence behind? One thing that you and I talk a lot about with our philosophical musical conversations is the idea of karma. And karma is actually directly referenced in the first track. Do you have any thoughts about that? Yes, I do. I thought you might. Um...
1: I, I love this story because what I also, like how I also feel how authentic it is to you is in a way, it it told me your story. And oh, no.
0: you know about my <laughs> bounty hunting past
1: <laughs> and and it when I was first listening to it when when you got the uh, mixes from Craig, there, I was in certain situations where I was like, "Wait, this is everybody's story," mm-hmm. and you know, our story starts with a man at a crossroads of karmic evolution. Right, and so the way I I I kind of started to see that was, well, one, I saw I saw your I, I it made me think of when you were in Ireland mm-hmm. and you were like reflecting on past like weed smoking use mm-hmm. and something just like switched for you and you never, you haven't smoked weed since. That's true. And it's been what, four years. Mm hmm. And that to me was like, among others, a, a crossroads that yeah, you, it is. you came upon. Exactly. And you went the way you did. And, 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 In a way, in every moment, we're all at a crossroads of karmic evolution. Like, even to the simplest, like, am I sitting up straight? Right. Or am I slouching? Like, what am I aware of and what can be embodied? You know? A gunman who's caught in a violent entanglement. Yeah. So that makes me think of, like, the cyclic mind, like... Samsara, yeah. caught in a violent entanglement of, of course, in our case, we're not bounty hunters, but a, a, uh, an entanglement of of mental and perhaps emotional conflict. Yeah, for sure. You know? And so our man now has a choice to continue or to become a memory. Mm-hmm. Become a memory is kind of like the letting go, right? Like forgetting, not forgetting, but like, like, like opening the the grip on our conflict with ourselves. Yeah. Or become a memory, and what what's the last lyric? Um, I think that's it. Yeah. Or disappear and become a memory. He decides he has no choice. Right. And so that speaks to the clarity of 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 seeing what's in front of you and seeing what's here and and how you're most consciously and wisely and lovingly you're gonna in what direction you're gonna go in that way and or Mm -hmm. not you know yeah or or if you're gonna continue and to me it told me the story of of you and how i've i mean just being friends we see each other's we witness each other's lives and how I've seen you come upon different crossroads of your own karmic evolution. And I was also like, it's, that's all of us in every moment, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's a big decision or like a small decision, you know, right. or even the smallest, like it, it, we always sort of have a choice. Not that, not that I'm encouraging, like overthinking, like what's my choice right now? Right. What's my choice right now. But, you know, we're embodying something. Yes. And so, are we embodying like our 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 entanglement of uh, our violent entanglement that is, of course, inherent in us and is fine, or are, are we kind of unfolding that and embodying something more
0: harmonious? Yeah. And and, and what does that mean? And leading towards the peaceful path. Right. You know what else is funny about that? Again not even slightly deliberate. Not even slightly like I was like, man, because I have tried to write songs that sum up like Buddhism. And they come out like, Buddha told me to do the right thing. And everyone's like, dude, that's the worst song I've ever heard. Like I'm caught and I'm thinking about my suffering. And it's like, (laughs) no, dude, that's an awful song. So it's so funny that you're like, yeah, man, that song actually sums up the story of the, the Buddha. like <laughs> <laughs> like dude that's no there's no way I would have ever embarked on trying to do that, but I'm just trying to tell this story. yeah, and you and I are are experiencing this where it's like, oh, there's this weird phenomenon that's the thread through this stuff that is the less we work on it directly, <laughs> yeah, the more we just do it for its own. Right. sake of whatever it is right the more it'll have ended up being what we were trying to do in the first place right and the more you try to do it directly right the harder and more escape of, it escapes you you know mm-hmm. the more it like slips through your fingers because right. you're just like oh because it, it's a, another one of these things is it's like a be careful what you wish for kind of scenario mm-hmm. because it's like you you might get the thing that you're actually doing, but you'd be better off getting something you didn't know you could do. Right. Which is a very strange way of saying, like, you might think that you want to create something very specific, Mm -hmm. but that very specific thing, if you succeed in making it, might not speak to anybody. Whereas, if you can just make something that you dig... It might end up communicating something from a deeper level than you thought you were communicating from, right. When I hear you say that you hear my personality in the music, it or when Cadence says that, you know, it floors me because I'm like, wow, that's that's so cool because I, I, I didn't make a contrived effort to say, I'm gonna make the thing that sounds like me so that I can share it with the world right so
1: and that's why it's so authentic.
0: It's, it's, re- but now, now we're, we're really, now we got to forget all of.
1: Yeah, we can't jinx
0: it now. Yeah. So <laughs> now that we have to make the next one, knock on wood. Now that we have to make the next one to be able to do this all the time. We need to also not put some weird pressure on this process where it's like, right. no, man, in order to make it cool, you need to try to make it not cool because <laughs> then it'll probably <laughs> also be not cool. And then we're back in the violent intent. Yeah, so I'm sure we'll go through that. I'm sure there'll be a couple of the issues yeah. and, and volumes that come out where we're like, Ugh, no, that one wasn't so great. Mm-hmm. But we're going to go through it and we're going to keep going forward. The main point of starting up Roji and telling the, the story this way has been to give us a reason to continue to be making music and to Mm -hmm. continue to get better at making music, to have something that continues forward. So to tie it to the financial pressures of earlier that we were talking about this, for me, I'm not trying to have us create a system where we do anything other than make music, you know? Yeah. And when we go to start a band, that it it then implies gigs and implies money. And well, how much time can I take off of work or Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of moving to wherever like Sam lives in Las Vegas now, Mm -hmm. but Sam doesn't have to worry about whether or not he can like be a member of Roji Mm -hmm. with his time commitments for his wife and life. Mm -hmm. You know, of course he can play on the albums because it can be when he comes by, he's going to come by and we're going to do it. So for me, the important thing is is that we have an outlet for us to make music together that can continue forward. And by telling this long, epic story that is longer than we probably can even tell in our lifetime, we will be able to have made a lot of music together. So mm-hmm. that's what I look forward to doing. So thank you, Thad. I really appreciate it, man. Thanks, I'm glad too. we're able to make music together. Me too. And uh, onward and upward to the next one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks, All right, bro. We'll see you next time. Right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you.
1: Thank you for your visit to the Roji Universe. We look forward to seeing you again soon.